Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast, coming to you from Ann Thompson's hotel room in Toronto. I'm Eric Cohn, the uh, deputy editor and chief critic, joined by Ann, our editor at large, and we are swimming in screenings and deadlines on the first day of the Toronto Film Festival, which I'm about to dash off to to see the opening night film, Magnificent Seven, but like everything here, just when you think you're ahead of the curve, somebody else is even more ahead of you. Uh, Anne, you saw the movie already, so tell us, do you think it's a good opening night selection? Sure, it's going to be a great crowd pleaser. Um, I'm a, you know, an old Western fan. I think the world of Kurosawa, I think the world of John Sturges, of course, we're talking uh, about the Seven Samurai and the Magnificent Seven, and we have Denzel Washington uh, playing the, the role of the guy who corrals a group of fighters together, uh, deadbeats, if you like, but they're all going to come together to get rid of a villain who's taken over a town. And the villain is played by Peter Sarsgaard, who goes very pale and very effete and very wicked. And uh, there's one woman, gunslinger, in this to uh, keep up with the times. The <laughs> Minor t- progress. <laughs> the typical, uh, you know, she, her, her husband is slaughtered at the beginning, so she's got revenge on her mind as well, uh, Haley Bennett. Uh, so at least the, the, the tokenism gives us a badass female heroine. She, but she to... does her thing. I mean, she holds <laughs> her own and, and takes out the guns, and you know, it's she's not token. Uh, but uh, you know, Ethan Hawke is really good in it, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. They all have great little character bits. And as Antoine Fuqua said at the press conference today, basically uh, Kurosawa and Sturges and he too are relying on these actors to bring the characters alive. They're character-driven, and that's quite true. But when I hear you describe the premise, I feel like I've seen this movie before, and then I realize that I have. I mean, it sounds like a very faithful remake, so what the hell? Well, this is one of those things, it's one of the great Western stories, and it's been done a million times. Sure, it was a Seven Samurai remake originally, right? so I guess it's a question of what you pick your flavor, but this sounds like it's a really direct remake of a remake, right? Well, no, he says he's going back to the the original, really. (laughs) It's a nice work it's, it's you know he's going back to Kurosawa, so I, I have no problem with it at all. It's it's you know what westerns are really hard to do well, and I give him points for making this a good t- story, well told. Sure, good I mean action. It's, it's not a genre that tends to get people really excited about. I'm actually really fascinated by the different sort of reactions that are coming out of Venice and now Toronto because the first press screening today was for The Bad Batch, Anna Lily Amirpour's movie, which she has described as a psychedelic western. It's more or less accurate, but it's a sort of neo-western slash horror movie set in, in the distant future and uh, it's basically kind of like a Mad Max type story about a bunch of people who are rejects from society and, and there are cannibals and there's a love story. I thought it was a really cool, if uneven, experiment with tone from the filmmaker who made A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night a couple of years ago, which I really got behind because it's the kind of movie that I get excited about. It's sort of building on familiar genres in ways we've never seen before. And that's a filmmaker who will never make a big studio movie like Magnificent Seven. And I like going to Toronto to see those sort of contrasts. In some I will ways. say this. I mean, the thing about a movie like The Magnificent Seven is that it's really easy to mess it up. It's really easy to do it badly. Yeah, and you have to so give credit to Toronto for having They did this with some that. sincerity. Right, and so Toronto actually bagged one of the few kinds of movies that, that does this well as its opening night. It's, which it's, is a, well, I don't think it was probably that difficult to get it as an opening night. I think I think that uh, Sony's really happy to, to have a big commercial movie, and this is a way to market it and launch it and get it out there. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is you don't have to reinvent the wheel and make it different if you do it well enough. Right. And I think that, and Chris Pratt is entertaining as well. Uh, I, I think they did it. And Denzel Care. You know how Denzel walks? You know how he walks? Don't we all? 
Don't we all dream of That's a good what Denzel we want to Swagger? See. We want to see that <laughs> man in Denzel black Swagger. walking down the street. So the festival is kicking off with this you know, relatively big commercial movie, but what we're going to see in the next few days are all kinds of different sorts of movies that are appealing to different sorts of audiences. I'm excited after the opening night film to go see a midnight movie, Free Fire, which is Ben Wheatley's movie. We've been hearing about this for a long time. It was picked up. His second movie this year. Yeah, he's a very prolific British filmmaker on the rise. I hope it's it's better than High Rise. (laughs) Well, not everybody's a J.G. Ballard fan either. What are you going to do? But this one has Brie Larson in it. It's an action movie set in a warehouse. Uh, Alchemy bought it for a couple million dollars uh, a while ago, and then when that company went bankrupt, A24 picked it up, and, and they're really hitting their stride. The buzz around it is really strong. I'm also super pumped to see Jackie from our pal Pablo Lorraine. We just, uh, you know, Hung saw out him. with him and tell you, yeah, and, and, and they were where they were him. showing Neruda, and they showed Neruda. So he's heading into the fall season. He's got two new movies that are coming out this fall. Now, Jackie doesn't have a release date yet, but the assumption is that this movie... They're picking up a a distributor. That's what they have to get first. Right, so they need that. And it's unlikely to be this year. It'll probably be next year. But here's the thing that I was thinking about this. The the raves around this movie are that as Jackie Kennedy, uh, Natalie Portman is so good, right? Remember, these are from Europe, from Venice. So your expectation is that the crowds here could be fundamentally different. And and for the movie L, for example, the Paul Verhoeven that played in The so-called Ken, rape revenge comedy. Already you know. some people have seen it and they're not reacting as well as they did in Cannes. So we have to see how that how these play with American well, or North it, American The audiences. Europeans just know movies better. What can I say? Oh, please. But, <laughs> it, it is always they very... They handle sex differently. This is true. Well, culturally speaking, they react to different kinds of storylines, and I guess there's also the there's the awards conversation, there's a commercial conversation, and there's a conversation about art. But also with Jackie, the conversation about JFK and his wife is going to be perceived differently by Americans than it is by Europeans or South Americans. It's going to be different. Right. So the question is, are people going to have a problem with this interpretation on some level? But, I'm, I'm a big fan of his work. I can't wait to see what he did in English. Well, I mean, don't forget, I mean, this is a, a blacklist screenplay that Darren Aronofsky was going to make, right. and he produced it. So, you know, it has its And he roots. did it, he said, with no nobody giving him any notes. You know, he was on his own. He was free to do it his way, which, which is going to be interesting also. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- these are the kind of movies that I'm always looking for. You know, Nacho Vigalondo, this really wacky Spanish director, has a movie called Colossal with Anne Hathaway, about a woman who basically thinks that she can control a Godzilla-type monster in Seoul when she stands in a certain area, but it's really a metaphor for how she's dealing with problems in her life. It's so crazy, but it, it, it's not commercial, even though it's got a star, and yet maybe with the right kind of support it could find an audience. Those well, are the gambles I get excited the, uh, about. Exactly, and the other question that I have is Nocturnal Animals, which was very well-reviewed in Venice, Tom Ford's follow-up to uh, his last movie, which was so good. with, with A Single Man, uh, with, which won Venice. Colin Firth yeah. in an amazing role. And then it came here and people did like it. It did go, It did do well. So I'm curious to see if this is going to translate also. Um, and it's screening first thing tomorrow morning, the press and industry screening. So that'll be a very interesting 
test. I'm more curious longevity. about the, uh, whether or not the party can live up to the hype. I mean, it's Tom <laughs> Ford after all. He better fucking deliver. But, you know, the F- Focus Features is doing this movie, and they're heading into a really interesting fall. Another movie that they have here is A Monster Calls, which was pushed up from an October release date to a December release date. So a lot of people are trying to figure out, what does that mean? Is it an awards play? Is it a more of a That's commercial play? That's the only play? answer it could possibly be. It, 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 if, you don't, if, you, if you don't do that unless you're confident... Because you're gonna, you're gonna have to, you're gonna, you don't want to hang out for a really long time if you don't have to. So this is actually a, a, a I we've seen it. We're not supposed to go into too much detail, but we both liked it. Which you know that's no, always something worth scrutinizing. No, I think it absolutely has has merit. I think it's actually going to play as and an yet, Oscar contender. It's, well, it's a it real needs support uh, here. It's to a get tear, there. it's a tearjerker with a kind of Tim Burton esque fairy tale quality. Um, with a really great lead performance from this young kid most people don't know, and then Liam Neeson voicing this monster he envisions to help him get over the, 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 his dying mother. But what, what I think is really interesting about it is that it doesn't overplay the emotions in a way that could be too mawkish. I agree. You know how I react no, to those things. No, it's not sentimental. So. It's, really, it's really very... Uh, I, it has a lot of edge in the movie. I keep comparing it to his room in the sense that you're reaching for very deep emotion and you're getting there, but you're managing to do it with a certain edge. It's not, it's not too family-friendly in a, in a way. So you have companies like Focus here, obviously companies like Fox Searchlight here. and Oh, and Focus, by the way, has another big movie, Loving. Loving, which, which is now coming Cannes, from Cannes. So. And that's the one. I mean, we talked a little bit about Moonlight out of Telluride. Moonlight and Loving are two movies that are sort of positioned to pick up some of the slack that may have been left uh, in, in the wake of Birth of a Birth Nation. Birth of a Nation. Which Speaking has to re, of, uh, reposition itself and redeem itself somehow, right. if it's possible. In Toronto, if, Wait, well, well, Fox Searchlight needs to figure out exactly. They're going to sell it to an audience. That's what they're going to do. The Oscar conversation's off the table right now. Well, if, if it's off the table, then I'd I say more power to Moonlight, a movie that we all loved out of out of Telluride. Though I'm super curious to see how it continues to play. It's one of the only movies here, by the way, that played at Telluride and gets to have that first weekend slot in Toronto. And the reason for that, apparently, is that it's in that platform section. So that it just it's sort of a loophole. It gets to have that exposure. That's interesting. So, yeah, very interesting situation. And Cameron Bailey may have been happy to do it. Yeah, I think there is a because symbiotic... Because he's championing Barry Jenkins. Symbiotic relationship here, absolutely. It gets a, a movie that, that may or may not have stood out in a massive festival is going to get a bigger boost here. And a company like A24, which did pretty well in the Oscars considering how new they were last year. Ex Machina, right. Room, and Amy. Yeah, so now what's going to happen to this movie? It's not a movie It's very star-driven. It's not even a big movie that it's easy to explain to people on paper. You know, a very quiet. I have. A, I story. believe that both. I believe that both Moonlight and Monster, a Monster Calls, and Loving. I think all of these movies are going to move forward, and I actually believe that Birth of a Nation could get some uh, support here because it's a good movie. You know, it's, eh, it's, it's an okay movie. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it good enough to win people back? I'm I, I am fascinated. I think people by that are going to be curious to see it. If it's good enough, then it'll be good enough. I mean, that was the thing about Twelve Years a Slave. As much as Toronto may have been upset that Telluride got the first wave of reactions, people still responded really well in Toronto. And we're talking about that movie when it played in Toronto. If people really like that movie here, they will talk about how good it is. But it has this other kind of baggage, which will continue to be 
part of the issue. So loving is more about a biracial relationship and a, a man and a woman and how they should be able to love each other without any any uh, lack of freedom in, in their expression. And so that's that's Jeff Nichols moving into you know I think a, a very strong awards contender. Um, but Moonlight is also it really does dig into the emotions, and I think that Mahershala Ali could very well get a supporting actor nomination from this. Right. And it's a large ensemble, so I'm picking him out as this one character who actually tugs at your heart strings. Right, and, and obviously the, the, other, the other thing to think about there is, is whether the screenplay, which is this incredibly textured compression mm. of a play, could get some traction, which for a movie like that is a big deal as well. I'm also curious about the, the buyer's market here. We haven't really talked about that, but we should probably address it briefly. It's not something that tends to be generating a lot of conversation about what are the hot items because well, things are just arriving. Well, there were some things in Telluride that exactly. are moving over. So you've got the Errol Morris documentary about the photographer uh, Dorfman. Which doesn't exactly scream widespread no, commercial no, no, appeal. No, but it's for sale. Right. Okay. So the biggest sales title here would be Jackie or something. Let's say that's and sort Werner of the high. Herzog has a movie, Salt yeah, and Fire. Yeah, although that, the, that movie sort film. of ecological thriller with Michael Shannon that actually screened in Beijing is apparently not great. So I'm not holding my breath. There's about Wakefield, that one. which Wakefield with Brian Cranston, which Telluride, you liked, other people didn't. Some but people like okay. it. It's a very weird, strange movie to which I give serious points for right. originality. Wow! All this time, and we haven't even started bickering about La La Land and whether or not it's actually a front runner for Best Picture. That's also in the Toronto lineup. It predictably got a nice bump from Telluride and played well. Like I said, but I think it's the not a okay. consensus title. It's, it's okay. not a. It's not a situation where everybody agrees that it's a great movie. Some people love it passionately. Some people don't get it at all. But what seems it's a like very a, specific movie. It's a musical. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a throwback of sorts. Musical and a romance, and it plays younger. It's done. My it's point. done well. I, I, I do think it plays younger in part because there are probably some younger viewers who don't have a strong relationship to what it's referencing, which is I think better. But it but it's very accomplished technically, and there's a lot going on there in that sense. There will be a lot of credit paid to Damien Chazelle and his composer. The guy's 31 years old, and he made a pretty He's, polished movie. He, I'll give him that. It, he did a great job, and a lot of people are going to applaud that. I'm just not—I'm not prepared to say that it is a best picture front runner at this stage. Until well, I, it proves that if there's an audience for it. It gets a lot of great reviews. Right, and Tom Hanks and, keeps talking it up as he did it. Yeah, ride. wait, <laughs> give it time, and we'll see where it ends up. And all the film critics put it on the ten best at the eh, end of the year. We'll see. But all these—all these things may not happen. My ten best is already way too long for that movie to stand a chance. So you can already take it off of my my list. But I'm sure there are other people who are going to flip for it. So things to come. I mean, a Manchester by the Sea also seems to be very well liked, but it's That's a very different kind of, of movie. That's ahead of La La Land. That is solidly quite in front fascinating position. in some sense. And it a worked very, very well. Yeah, very quiet movie. Um, a very dark movie, even though it's got some moments of levity. So it's it's a, it's a very interesting season in some sense to see the, the kind of bright musical, maybe a, a step or two behind that one. I'm trying That's to figure right. out who, who I should I be championing here. I well, guess Moonlight will be my Moonlight my big... is, is, is has a ways to go too, though. It has to do all those. It has to jump every hurdle and get to the end. And be as strong as as the other com- competitors. I'm gonna wait for something wackier to come along so I can I can start championing something that nobody else is talking about. Well, what about. else hasn't <laughs> been shown yet? We, that we you're really don't know. Excited I mean, about you know there, there are big things like the Scorsese film, uh, but personally I'm I'm more excited about Mike Mills' new film 20th Century Women, which is the centerpiece that 
New York Film Festival. It looks like a very small movie with Annette Bening, but you never know. I mean, he's such a smart, uh, innovative filmmaker in terms of the way that he puts stories together. So, th so that's the one that I'm, I'm holding out hopes for. But again, I mean, Toronto is just getting going. We got a lot of stuff to go through, and I guarantee you by the time we reconvene next week, I'm going to have a lot more movies to talk about. So for the time being, I'm just going to go see Magnificent Seven and take the orthodox route. <laughs> we'll see where we are on that one. Talk to you soon. Thank you.